take your Bible, turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. As we think about this month being the month of Valentine's Day, we celebrate it this past uh, Tuesday. Hope you did, and uh, that you weren't like uh, the video last week, Jerry, right? And uh, as we think about that, marriage, God's portrait of the gospel, as we go through this series, this is the second installment in that series, how to deal with storms inside and outside of marriage. So I want to give you a pen alert. What is a pen alert? Well, you're going to be writing a lot of things. And um, under each of these points, you're going to see what's called a storm shield. In other words, we're going to lay out the issue and give you some practical advice. And some of these may go by too fast to get them written down because they're not in your notes, but you can see me after and I'll be glad to email you just the storm shield if you would like. But I want to begin with a quote, a pastor from Africa, Pastor Ezekiel Daniel from Assemblies of God Mission in Lagos, Africa, said this, every marriage has a price to pay, which is to declare a war on some enemies such as non-forgiveness, selfishness, unfaithfulness, insatiable sex, poverty, violence, and absence of love, among others. These enemies are some of the causes of the rising incidences of marriage disillusions. When spouses fail to declare war on these enemies, divorce will be the end result. And the pastor went on to say that day that it was only through prayer that all enemies of marriage could be conquered. It is the weapon the enemies cannot stand up to, the power of prayer. All marriages are a work in progress. It's not that you stand at an altar one day and you say your vows and go off on your honeymoon and then, as most fairy tale books say, live happily ever after. Marriage is a commitment. It's a daily commitment to be aware of the needs of your spouse and how you are best going to meet those needs with God's help. Marriage is a couple standing together, and here's a picture of that, hand in hand, looking out at the world together and being a team as they face the blessing and trials of life. Marriage is a couple looking to God and growing in love with him and they jointly grow in their relationship with God and they're growing in their relationship with one another. The more they seek after God as a couple, the more their love grows. Marriage is a portrait of Christ followers' life united with Christ that begins with salvation and that relationship continues on into eternity. Obviously, Jesus said, we won't be married in heaven, but until death do us part, we continue on in the portrait of marriage as the gospel. And as we fulfill our husband and wife relationship, we're reflecting the image of God and how a husband and wife communicate with one another with love and respect. And marriage demonstrates by the love a husband and wife show each other. God's demonstration of his deep love for us by sending his son to die on the cross for our substitute for our sin. And so that marriage love is a reflection of Christ's love for us. Marriage demonstrates the parents' love for their children, just like our Heavenly Father teaches us, provides gifts as a, a loving father to us. Marriage is a portrait of the gospel to the watching family, to your extended family, to the church family, and the world around you. Marriage is to be taken seriously as highly sacred and respected, not cheapened by the way the world looks upon it. So we as Christ followers need to elevate educate and esteem God's purpose and design for marriage 
by living it out and also communicating its meaning with our voices. So this message is for those who may be single, young, and looking to get married someday, uh, for those in marriage relationships. And I know we have uh, people here who are widowed or divorced, and these are principles to instill in your kids and your grandkids as well. Turn to your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, a very familiar passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul talking about the marriage relationship in Ephesians 5.21. Paul says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we live in challenging times. We get attacks to the marriage from all around us, outside the marriage, inside the marriage, with our flesh, with the media, and so many things. Lord, help us. Help us to decipher some of these things and be challenged to put our guards up and also to invest more deeply into our marriages. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our purpose here is that every husband and wife must prepare for the battering of storms against the ship of their marriage in order to stay faithful to their commitment before God, the church, and the world. So let's look first of all in your outline, the storms that come at us from outside the marriage. The one thing about most storms is that we can often see when they are coming. And then we have to decide whether we want to take shelter or not. So the storms that come outside of the marriage relationship. First of all, the curiosity with sin. The curiosity with sin. By our own admission, if we're honest, due to the sinful nature that abides in every human being, we have a strong desire to play with sin. It is up to us who are Christ followers with the opportunity to be filled with that Holy Spirit, to have the word of God in our heart if we've studied and memorized it, whether or not we choose to take the curiosity of sin and then act upon it. And the end result is always painful and filled with consequences. And James reminds us that in James 1, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Talking about, you know, the 
the effects of sin in our life. And it's interesting to me to note that more and more Christians, even seemingly knowing the consequences of their sin, still choose to get involved in it. And when we sin, it separates us from God, our relationship with him. It grieves the Holy Spirit. When we get in habitual sin, it means that we quench the Holy Spirit. We sear our conscience, hurting relationships around us when we habitually sin. And then there's the collateral damage and the possible legal consequences and the physical things that occur due to whatever sin we habitually get involved in. And then I hear Christians say, well, it's okay because it doesn't matter because in the end, God will forgive me. But that cheapens the grace of God. This is especially dangerous to be curious and play with sin in a marriage relationship. And it becomes even more costly and painful when there are children involved. There's always that lure of the world and we know the evil one out there. I often hear people say, well, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, right? But guess what? When you get on the other side of the fence, yeah, the grass may be greener, but there's manure piles over there as well. And the other thing you have to remember is that when you leave your spouse for someone else, always remember that you take you with you. Remember, you take you with you. When two people break up a family and divorce 99% of the time, there's not an innocent spouse. Both contribute to the divorce or the breakup. One of the other things we battle with is social media. It's a wonderful tool, but also in the last number of months, I've seen marriages dissolve because they met someone new or they caught up with an old high school sweetheart and they begin an emotional attachment online that could lead to a physical attachment that's unbiblical. Watching regular media choices and see how jaded the world's perspective is when we watch these shows. And it makes a convincing argument sometimes that staying committed to your spouse or seeking a holy relationship with God isn't worth it. And we're missing out on so much fun in this world. Another problem within there is loneliness. Loneliness, that's a big, big issue, especially for um, the younger generation. We were made for relationship beginning with God and then fellow human beings, both male and female relationships. The coup de gras, the most destructive thing, the thing that's the most curious seems to be pornography. And all that is a result of that hidden lifestyle. We see the consequences daily in the news of things happening related to people being involved in pornography. So here's storm shield number one. Storm shield number one, be aware of the consequences of your sin before you act on them and reconsider. Be aware. Look at the consequences. Look at the price. Consider what's going to happen. Be aware of the consequences of your sin before you act on them and reconsider. Second under this point, the influence of worldly peers. Be extremely careful of who your intimate and closest friends are when it comes to getting advice about your marriage relationship. I want you to look at this next slide up there. And here's a picture of four levels of friendships. And I preach a whole message on this, but basically your closest friends are the two at the top, intimate. Then the next one would be the six, there would be your close friends. And then it gets into casual and acquaintance as it goes down. I know it's small, you may not be able to read it. But your intimate 
and your close friends, when you're having issues in your marriage relationship and you want to talk to them, we need to be careful about what they, what counsel they're going to give us. Here's some questions to consider. Are they believers in Christ who are grounded in the word? As you're getting counsel and talking to friends, and these are your close, intimate friends that are hopefully godly friends. That's who they should be. Are they believers in Christ who are grounded in the word? Second of all, what has been their background and experience in dating relationships and marriage? What is their track record? You know, what's, it, what's their life like right now or what's it been in the past? Are they in a place where you can trust the counsel, the advice that they're going to give you? What's their background and experience in a dating relationship? Another question to ask, are they currently making good and godly choices in their life? Or are they giving counsel and advice from a worldly or emotional perspective only? Sometimes our friends can be so emotionally wrapped up in the relationship that we have with them that their views can be, have an agenda, that they're not objective. And so we need to ask those questions. Are they making good godly choices in their life and are they giving us good counsel and advice from the scriptures, from their godly counsel, or is it from the world or emotional perspective? The bottom line is what is influencing you and your decision-making process as you deal with the storms that come your way from outside of marriage. What are you listening to? What are the things you're listening on podcasts to get advice about for your marriage relationship? All these things evaluate where you're getting your source of information. We become who we spend the most time with and listen to the most. Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I mentioned before in college, I played some racquetball and I always wanted to play people who were better than me to get better at the game. We have to walk with wise people so we will be wise and be stretched as well. In Proverbs 27, six in the King James, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, deceitful. So here's storm shield number two. Storm shield number two. This is a long one. As a couple, consider your sources of counsel and advice when you're seeking help and share with those from the same sex to avoid emotional attachments. Only go to people, same sex, that you can get counsel and advice from because too many times, I've seen it happen in workplace, I've counseled numerous people they begin sharing with somebody with the opposite sex their problems and there begins an emotional attachment. So that's storm shield number two. The next point, the outright selfishness of one or both spouses. Selfishness. This is pervading our culture. It's pervading Christian marriages as well. Things that come because of selfishness, it can lead to anger. It can lead to neglect of the needs of the spouse or spouses. Financial instability, jealousy, and so much more. Choosing what you want to do as a husband or wife to lack of care or thought of the other spouse to gratify a personal desire is just outright wrong. This is where communication is important. This is where the sharing of each other's heartfelt needs is to be discussed. This is where negotiating and compromise come in. This is where prayer together is so vitally important. 
searching the scriptures as you seek uh, a decision uh, together, examination of the heart and motives, a consideration of how this will affect the relationship and the family. All these things are so important to avoid being selfish. And of course, the antidote to that is to have humility. Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. As a spouse, take into account your spouse's thoughts, the heartfelt desires that they may have. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Here's a storm shield for you. Storm shield. God made each member of a marriage unique in his eyes. He made us all unique. Personality, physical traits, but the husband and wife must discuss their dreams and personal desires and seek the Lord together to see what righteously can be agreed upon. This is so important, so important. It solves so many issues in the marriage relationship if you can get to this level of maturity with your spouse. Another thing that's from outside we got to be really careful of is the secrets kept from a spouse. The secrets kept from a spouse. One of the verses that constantly is in the back of my mind, Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sins will find you out. That old Fram oil filter commercial, you either pay me now or pay me later, but you're going to pay the price if you don't change your oil every so often and change that filter. But be sure your sin will find you out. In Luke 8, 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light, Jesus said. In Hebrews 12, I just love this section because Moses, as you know, was a little Jewish baby adopted into Pharaoh's family through Pharaoh's daughter. But when he grew up, it says in Hebrews 12, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. He wanted to identify with his people who were in slavery. He chose mistreatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin because he knew there was going to be an end to that pleasure. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward to please God. By faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured or persevered as seeing him who is invisible. He lived for an audience of one to please God, no matter what it was going to cost him, because he could have stayed in that uh, you know, relationship with Pharaoh and enjoyed all the pleasures, as he said, of sin. But he knew it wouldn't last. And so as you consider the curiosity of sin, what would Jesus think if he were with you today? Or what would your spouse think if you were about to enter into this thing that you're thinking about doing, or you fill in the blank, someone else, how embarrassing would that be? And so if you struggle in this area of trying to be honest and not hide things from your spouse, it's important to find ways to be accountable beyond your spouse. Your spouse may need to know, but she or he should not be your only form of accountability. Go beyond the marriage relationship. It puts your spouse in a very difficult situation to be the only person that you have accountability with. So here's the storm shield. In the back of your mind as a spouse, consider the lure of sin 
And then remember, there's always a price to be paid. And it will be found out at some point. Your sins will find you out. Keep that in the back of your mind. That'll help you when you're tempted, when the opportunities come your way to give in. Be aware of those things. And then we see the lure of adultery. So prevalent in our culture all around us. Exodus 20:14, you shall not commit adultery. 1 Thessalonians 4:3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That Greek word there means pornea, sexual immorality. That means sex before marriage, sex outside the marriage relationship. And of course, you could list a whole bunch of things what that means. But adultery breaks the most intimate trust in a marriage relationship. Remember, it takes all of us years to build up trust and integrity with people, but in a few moments, you could destroy it. Avoid sharing concerns in your marriage, as I said before, with people of the opposite sex. Again, find that godly counselor, that pastor, to help you, whatever it is you're dealing with in the marriage relationship. Our storm shield here is this, to stay committed to the one you love and shared your vows with. Find the available resources from a godly perspective to divorce-proof your marriage. And we'll share some of those in a few moments. The last attack from the outside here is the loss of hope in the marriage. The loss of hope in the marriage. When you get married and you stand at that altar and you make those vows and then you head off to uh, being married together, maybe it's immediately the honeymoon or whatever it is, you have no certainty about the future. There's so many couples that break up because they're not prepared for the storms that are going to come their way unexpectedly. You think about a child being born to your family who has special needs. You didn't sign up for that. The health issue of a spouse early on in the marriage. You didn't know that was going to happen. The financial stress due to a job loss, due to the downsizing of a company or, or being fired all of a sudden. The feeling of needs not being met for a long time in the marriage relationship. Physical, emotional, and sexual abuse that you didn't see coming. The threat of divorce by a spouse. These are just some of the challenges that come unexpectedly beyond the marriage altar. And as I said, we can't predict the storms that are going to come our way, but we can put our trust in the one who knows for certain our future, and that is God the Father, and hold to our vows even when we face the detours in life. Be expectant. Be prepared for the unexpected. With God, there's always hope and reconciliation. In Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's a verse I claimed through the year and a half or so of the pandemic. I just kept repeating that verse over and over, and it's so true and so good for us in our marriage relationships. And remember, in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Circle that word all. God will help you no matter what you're facing. So here's a storm shield. A storm shield. Take your pain and burdens as a couple to the Lord and remain in his word and in prayer through the periods of your marriage when hope seems gone. 
We need to constantly be in the word and prayer, but especially during those difficult, difficult times. Sadly, sometimes we think we can tough it out ourselves or we think we can figure this out, but we need to go to the Lord and leave it with him. So here's our application as we think about the storms that come from the outside. We must be aware of the storms that Satan wants to bring our way in order to destroy our marriage. It's like an NFL football team spends a few days each week looking at the film of the team they're going to play to figure out their weaknesses, to figure out what they're going to try to do to their offense, to be prepared. We have to constantly be on our toes prepared for these storms to come our way. Let's look at the storms that rage at times within, within the marriage relationship, inside. The storms that come inside of the marriage relationship. One of the big ones is a lack of clarity when it comes to roles and responsibilities within the marriage relationship. I've talked to numerous couples who several years into their marriage have never really discussed, you know, who's going to do what. And there's assumptions made. And when those assumptions fail or don't get done, it causes tremendous tension and friction in the relationship. The husband, as we read in Ephesians 5, is the head of the wife and family as a servant leader, not a dictator, but a servant leader. And remember, men, if you're married, that you will stand accountable for, before God and how you lead your family and the decisions that were made. The husband will answer for how he provided spiritual leadership to the family. That's a sobering, sobering thought. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. His responsibility is to love his wife to the level Christ loved the church. So if you still have your Bible open, Ephesians 5, well, these verses will be on the screen. This is the husband's admonition within this context that Paul's talking about here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, that's it. I'm out. How many of us can do that? Live up to that, right? Only through the Holy Spirit can you even attempt to do that. He goes on to say that Christ might sanctify the bride, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And then he uses that and brings it to us as husbands in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, just like Christ loves the church. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. We need to treat our spouse with dignity and respect as husbands. The wife is to show respect to her husband by following his leadership. The caveat here is that there needs to be mutual submission, love and respect for one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians says that the husband and wife are to submit to one another in love and then the wife is to submit to the husband. So if you have your Bible open, verse 21 says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And most of your Bibles have a break in there with a heading that says wives or husbands and wives. But that's not there. It begins with us having mutual submission toward one another. They don't have those chapter breaks in the original. And it moves into verse 22 as we think about the two of you submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The husband must listen and love his wife as Christ did as a servant leader. The wife is to respect and follow the leadership of her husband. The end result is that they become a picture of Christ in the church, welded together in relationship. And I love verse 32 because I don't know about you guys, but my marriage is a mystery sometimes. I don't know about you. And Paul says, this mystery is profound. It's unexplainable. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is a great mystery, but it's a picture of what God does. And he's laying it out here for us. That's, a, that's about as brief of an expositional sermon I can give on this passage. There's a lot to unpack in these verses, but in the backdrop of that thought, the husband and wife need to sit down at the beginning, but probably but it is best to do it in a premarital you know, counseling relationship, but even at some point and divvy up who's responsible for what. Poor communication about this and assumptions lead to a storm that rages in the marriage. I would even write them down if necessary. But who's going to take care of the garbage? At my house, it's me. and I got to take it a quarter mile away. Who will clean and vacuum the house? Who's going to handle the finances? Well, my wife's the math person. I hand her the check and she takes care of the rest, right? Take care of maintaining the cars. Who's going to do that? The home repairs. Who's going to do the grocery shopping? Changing diapers. It's not based so much on male-female, it's more about who's better able to do those things. There's some women that are better at putting Ikea furniture together than a man is. So let the woman do it, right? Figure out those responsibilities. And then where will you go on vacation? How many of you are beach people? Raise your hand. Like to go to the beach. How many people would just rather be in the woods in a cabin, right? These are discussions you got to have at home with your spouse. How are you going to, if you split on that Decision, where are you going to go for vacation? These are things that you need to discuss that are simple things, but yet can lead to a lot of difficulty. So here's a storm shield. Have clearly defined areas of roles and responsibilities and show love and respect in the marriage relationship toward one another. Clearly define them. Who's going to do what? Who's going to take the responsibility? And it keeps things unified and in harmony for the most part, at home. And then there's a tug of war over finances in the marriage relationship. Most people will tell you that the number one reason people get divorced is because of disagreement in finances. But in reality, it's not really that. It's the lack of communication. The lack of communication when it comes to the finances. The problem is that we have differences because we've grown up in different households coming together with different perspectives on finances and different perspectives of what wants and needs are. The best thing that happened in our marriage when it came to finances is Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. And we're looking to offer that here again soon. 37 years of marriage and my wife and I, we still don't agree on what is a want and what is a need, right? We go back and forth. Do we, really, do we really need that cable TV when we could stream other things? My wife's shaking her head, no. <laughs> but I don't want to give up my football. So, I mean, 
So there's an example, you know, and you have to sit down and what are wants and what are needs and determine within the couple a balance, an understanding of what that is. So here's the storm shield. Come to a realistic agreement with your spouse on the budget and priorities and how you use your money. Man, this will avoid a lot of tension. I remember, it's a funny thing, I remember my youth pastor at the last church I was at, he was pretty young, 26. He went out and bought a minivan for his wife and brought it home. Oh, that was very interesting to see that relationship work that out, right? Come to a realistic agreement with your spouse on the budget and priorities and how you use your money. And then a relational challenge with a family member closely related to the marriage relationship. Matthew 19, Jesus quoting from Genesis 2, as Moses recorded, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Sometimes one or both spouses are still connected to their parents a little bit, or a lot too much when it comes to cleaving only to their spouse. Sometimes parents can get too involved in their children's marriages. The apron strings must be cut. Parents must need to wait for their adult children to come to them for counsel and advice. Spouses focus on communicating more with each other than going to the parents all the time to discuss your marriage. Too much parental influence creates tension in the marriage and if you don't believe it, watch nine seasons of Everybody Loves Raymond, okay? And I'll, I've got the series if you want to watch it, all right? So couples need to honor both sets of their parents by discussing vacations, holiday plans with each other. You need to negotiate ahead of time how you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving with both sides of the family, how you're going to uh, celebrate Christmas, birthdays, all these things, vacations. Communicate to the parents of the spouse, work together to come up as best as possible to an agreeable arrangement. So here's a storm shield. Be your own couple without much extended family input. You're to be one flesh. Come together. And then a neglecting of building the relationship within the marriage relationship. Two great resources if you haven't read them already. You see him up on the screen, His Needs, Her Needs by Willard Harley, Building a Marriage That Lasts. That's a fantastic book. I've used it so many times in small group settings and counseling. Another one is, many of you know this one, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Those are two good things to read and discuss together with your spouse. As implied in the Ephesians 5 passage, your marriage relationship must be nurtured daily but you have to understand your spouse's needs and their love language and learn to meet their need as much as possible and speak their love language. See, the problem is, is that when we uh, don't meet the needs of our spouse or the, speak their language and their love language, when those needs aren't met, they look for them elsewhere outside of the marriage relationship, and we have to be careful. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks or your marriage and give attention to your herds. Be aware, be giving to it. Here's a storm shield. Make sure you discuss your unique needs and love language 
as the unique people in the marriage relationship and find ways to connect, to build each other up in the marriage relationship. Basically, you could just say, know each other's unique needs and learn how to build each other up in the relationship. That's a rather wordy storm shield there. Know the unique needs and seek to build each other up in the marriage relationship. And then a neglecting of building each other up spiritually in the marriage relationship. Again, I point to all kinds of resources out there. Family life, which is part of crew. Focus on the family. Gary Chapman, Moody Press, so many things out there to help you spiritually. Family life, my wife and I used to do moments together with couples. It's a devotional that you can go through. There's all kinds of great resources. The storm shield there is be intentional as a couple to share what you're learning in God's word and praying together. Take time to do that. Whether it's just a couple times a week or um, on a daily basis. My wife and I, we listen to different devotionals together before we head off to work in the morning. There's lots of ways to do it. And then lastly, an unwillingness to seek help outside of the marriage relationship. In Proverbs 11:14, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Sometimes when a couple reaches an impasse on agreeing on something or working something out between the two of them, it's time to seek a counselor. There's been numerous times in our marriage relationship that we did that. It was beneficial. You get a third party who has a godly counsel and can see from the outside in. And so we've got to get past the stigma of being, uh, of get past the stigma of not willing to go to a godly biblical counselor and take advantage of the very helpful resource that this person could have, rather than let your marriage suffer with ongoing pain or disagreement. This is a very important step to avoiding an affair or divorce by acknowledging when you need godly help. Our last storm shield is this, when the issues in your marriage struggle to be resolved, seek godly counsel. Don't hold back. Go for it. Get the help you need. It will be amazing how God will bring healing to your marriage, bring agreement. So our application is this, we must ask God to help us to be sensitive to our spouse's needs. Be sensitive and be committed daily to build each spouse up by the love of God. That's the source in Ephesians 2. It talks about building each other up through the love of God. In Job 14, as I close, it says, man is born of woman, is a few days and full of troubles. Anticipate the storms. You're either heading into a storm, you've either just, you're in the middle of a storm or you've just left a storm. And sooner or later, another storm is gonna come on the horizon. I like what Dale Von Toon has many times at the end of his emails. He says, stop telling God how big your storm is and tell your storm how big your God is. I love that. That's very encouraging. So that's the attitude we need to have when the waves are coming over the bridge of the boat, when the storms seem to come at us one after another. Marriage like life is lived one day at a time. Stay committed to building love into the relationship, keeping Christ at the center of it all in order to run the race of life and marriage faithfully with joy. And as a Christ-following couple, we need to keep going back to God's purpose and design for marriage and life. God is using our marriage, our children, our family to shape all of the family into the image of Jesus in our personality, motives, and attitudes in life. Here's our key thought. Every husband and wife can storm-proof 
their marriage if they keep it built on the foundation and the anchor of God and his word. One of the songs we sang earlier, the two, two blanks that are stormproof, one of the songs we sang earlier had the, the word anchor in it. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. And that anchor is Jesus Christ, his word, and the Holy Spirit to help us to be anchored in his culture that is battering us from the outside and the flesh battering us on the inside of our marriage. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here today and God is challenging you. Maybe you've just uh, become complacent about taking care of the needs of your spouse. Maybe we've just taken our spouses for granted. Maybe we have not spent the time giving spiritual leadership to our family. The church comes alongside, but it's the husband and the family that's the center source of the spiritual growth in our families. Maybe you're here and you've been entertaining thoughts of sin and getting involved in those things, or maybe you already are. We're going to have a moment of silence for you to consider where you are as we think of this message. And then we're going to pray and dedicate our marriages afresh and anew to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in this month of Valentine's. We think of love emphasized in this month of February. Help us as believers to have that agape love, that love that comes from God. It can't be reproduced in the world. It's only given to us through your Holy Spirit. And we just pray that you help us to allow that agape love to pour out on us and then overflow out of our lives so we can build up our spouses, our kids that are at home under our care. Help us to dedicate afresh and anew our marriage relationship, Lord. It's a holy sacred thing. And we just pray that you help us to use that as a way to mirror and portrait the gospel of Christ in all we do. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.